How do we get 200 listeners? Okay, starting. Five, four, three, two. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast, live from San Jose, California. I'm your co-host, and along with me is my other co-host, Vikram Khan, and he also happens to be in San Jose, California for the weekend, but in the interest of social distancing, we're still doing this podcast offline through Anchor. Vikram, how are you doing? And welcome to the podcast again. Hey, man, great to hear from you. Uh, I'm living the dream out here, also in San Jose, surprisingly, for once, uh, spending some time with the family uh, before heading back to Monterey. So uh, I'm doing great. How are you, man? I'm doing fine, dude. I'm doing fine. For the first weekend in a while, the uh, the air quality seems to be to be decent and things seem to be calming down, although uh, the storylines seem to be changing every, every other day or so regarding that. So we'll, we'll keep our yeah. eyes out and see. Hopefully the weather is getting better and, and everything's looking up. 2020 is almost over, but, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died yesterday. So that's a, that's a set of bad news that yep. has come upon us. Uh, 2020 does not get any better, apparently. But, you know, hopefully we're helping you get through this year, guys. And hopefully the NBA is helping you get through this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, prayers to anyone who's been affected by her passing, certainly. Uh, she was a real icon to many people, uh, including myself. So uh, really thoughts and prayers up to her family as well. So with that in mind, uh, 2020 certainly exemplifies the year of may you live in interesting times. Never says whether good or bad, just interesting. And uh, definitively, this year has been bad. Uh, here's to hoping that we can resolve some of these climate issues, that uh, the pandemic will be behind us soon. We'll get a vaccine. Hopefully all of those things can Happens sometime in the near future, though uh, I'm thinking it's going to be past 2020 for that. But, you know, here's to hoping. Here's to hoping. And, and here's to hoping we get more of this Celtics Heat uh, Eastern Conference Final Series. Right, Bikram? Oh, man. This series has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's another one of these, like, coaching maestro type games where really you start to see the tactics of basketball come into play. I mean... Both of the coaches in this, Brad Stevens and, uh, and Eric Spolster, have done, I think, a, a very masterful job uh, of making this a real interesting series. We'll talk about games one and two first before uh, talking about game three tonight, where the Celtics finally figured out the, the heat zone. My overarching feeling was that although I feel like we picked Celtics in seven, and although I feel like the Celtics as a team have more upper-end talent, they have consistently underperformed against the Heat. And even tonight, they nearly gave the game away through some mental mistakes, a flagrant foul, uh, letting the Heat get back into the game. Uh, but by and large, I, I still think the Celtics have superior talent and have uh, kind of underperformed relative to that. Uh, I think with games one and two, Miami really understood what the Celtics game plan would be. And they really ran out the zone for the first time, that two, three zone with uh, Butler and Crowder at the top of the zone, which really left the corner player open. Uh, and that strategy flummoxed the Celtics for the first couple games. Well, it, it flummoxed them because uh, they weren't attacking the middle. The Celtics, exactly. Yeah. And we'll get to that in game three, but the reason they won tonight is, they understood that the way to beat this Miami zone is to get a guy going downhill and then have the guy in the corner attack inside. And today that was Jalen Brown, who was absolutely monstrous in, in tonight's game, uh, where he scored 26 points on 11 for 17 shooting. But most importantly, those were almost all at the rim. If you look at a shot chart, it was insane how much he, uh, how many opportunities you got inside and his ability to finish over, through, and around contact uh, is really, really remarkable. And the type of athlete, the caliber of athlete that he is, uh, allowed Boston to really take this, to make this a series effectively because this game was a pretty much a must-win given that no team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. But now at 2-1, uh, it's very possible for them to come back. And, and really, our, our guess for Celtics in seven has not, uh, has not gone down the wayside yet. But... I really wanted to give some credit to Jalen Brown and then Jason Tatum also had a, a phenomenal game tonight. 
on both sides of the ball, although there were several possessions on defense where he was rather apathetic. But uh, his ability to, to grab 13 boards uh, on the defensive end, 14 boards in total, and, and get eight assists while also you know being not necessarily efficient on offense but still scoring 25 was pretty impressive. I think for the Celtics, the elements of worry are the fact that you know, you got 20 from Marcus Smart, 21 from Kemba, 26 from Jalen Brown, 25 from Tatum. Uh, that's not – And I don't if, know that that's necessarily sustainable. Right. Exactly. And I do think one thing that made a huge, huge difference for Boston was the fact that they had Gordon Hayward come back in this game. And he played 30 minutes off that seriously sprained ankle. But what that allowed them to do was not have to play Brad Wanamaker that many minutes. Uh, they didn't play Robert Williams at all or Semi Ogilvy. They only played Grant Williams another nine minutes, and he was actually pretty productive uh, when he first got in, even though he ended up being a minus 11 in the game. But I, I thought overall this game for Boston was one where their tactics offensively really worked, and it coincided with them playing with more effort and force on the defensive end. And uh, Although uh, I'm not quite sure a Jalen Brown at center lineup defending Bam Adebayo is going to be sustainable again for the next couple of games. I think Miami is going to have a counter to what they've done. So, you know, from, from this game, I actually think it's a miracle that the Heat even got back into it, given how poorly some of their main shooters shot, like uh, Jay Crowder went two for 10. And although Tyler Hero is lighting it up in, in the second quarter in the first half, uh, his shooting performance in the second half left a lot to be desired. He ended up four for 12. So, I mean, this game, it was, it was definitely a very interesting game, but it wasn't competitive for most of it. And like I said, the Celtics nearly gave it back on that Jalen Brown elbow to the head of Duncan Robinson, <laughs> flagrant foul, offensive foul. And Duncan Robinson ended up missing a free throw, which uh, pretty much sealed the, prevented the comeback essentially. Right. And, I mean, you, I mean, I mean, I mean, we talk about we talk about game game three in in this way, right? Uh, but game one obviously went down to the wire, went into overtime, um, and uh, you know some some very questionable late game play calling by Brad Stevens, having Jason Tim to shoot this like crazy three at the end of the fourth quarter when they could have gotten a much better shot. I think they had like twenty three on the game clock when uh, when they could set up a play for for Jason Tatum. So that, that was very very questionable. But uh, Bam Adebayo, with just the block of of uh, of, of, of definitely th- these playoffs, but probably previous playoffs as well. One of one of the best blocks we've probably ever seen uh, in in a, in a playoff game. Like going back to like you know, you know chase down blocks in the past, et cetera, et cetera. I mean this this block, Jason Tatum's coming downhill with uh, cocked the ball back, and Bam Adebayo was still able to. Uh, block that shot completely and completely fend off Jason Tatum, an amazing play. Also, uh, Jimmy Butler with, you know, some clutch shot making. We've come to expect nothing less from the guy. He, 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 he just knows when to show up at the right moment, which, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of scary given the fact that, you know, he doesn't really, doesn't really look for his shot in, in the first half or even in the first three quarters, but in the fourth quarter, when, when he wants to look for a shot, he, he, he's, able to get, he's able to get it off, and he's able to, even able to make some like, clutch three-point shots, even while he's, known, he's not known for being a, a three-point shooter. So like Jimmy Butler, just like the ultimate playoff, ultimate clutch performer in these games. And then obviously in game two, uh, the Celtics get out to that big first-half lead, and they pretty much let the Miami Heat back in the game. Obviously, with the sh- kind of shooting that the Miami Heat back had, Miami Heat have, they're not out of any game, uh, and uh, especially not in the third and fourth quarter. Even if you're up by more than ten, they have shown they are more than capable of coming back in those games, and that's what they that's what they did in game two, and that's what led to um, that's what led to a sort of locker room skirmish between Marcus Smart and what is reported to be who is reported to be Jalen Brown. They had a sc- shouting match with each other, and uh, uh, and a lot of people were reacting to that negatively, uh, and uh, I I didn't really get that because if, when you're in the playoffs, you need you need someone to bring that bring out that sort of attitude. It's it's ne- sort of now or never for the Celtics, right? They were down two nothing. If they ended up being down three nothing after tonight, that's it. The series is over. So someone had to someone had to say something, 
And, you know, Marcus Smart is that, that kind of a guy. And this is precisely why I don't think the Celtics are even going to think about trading that, te- that type of a guy because he's the guy who provides the juice come playoff time. And now with his requisite playoff experience, he's able to, he's able to play that role for the Celtics. And, and it brought, really brought on a, a, very, um, a very good performance today. And now some people might say that, oh, um, Marcus Smart was part of the problem in game two. And my retort to that would be what? Well, that's not the point. The, the point is that someone needs to provide leadership. Even if they're pointing the finger at themselves, sometimes you need to shout at yourself every once in a while, right? And, so, and like, send, the, the enti- send a message to the entire team. And the way the Celtics came out and recovered from that was, was good in, in, game, in game three. Now they, they have to replicate the performance in game four. Jalen Brown came out and said after game three that uh, game four actually starts right now. It does not start on Wednesday. It starts right now because of the coaching adjustments and, you know, uh, getting prepared, getting mentally prepared, physically prepared for the game is uh, almost as important as the actual game, given that these are the playoffs. Uh, uh, Vikram, any, any, any other thoughts you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, frankly, I'll start with the last thing you said first, which is uh, the, the fight between Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. Clearly, no LFLs from that. They won the game, so... Whatever happened there worked out for them. And I think that's, that kind of stuff is always overblown. Uh, you always want your players to be more passionate than not. You want them to come together. And frankly, people ride and die with, uh, with Marcus Smart on the basketball court. And I think the Celtics wouldn't want it any other way. I would say there's some very questionable shot selection from him at the end of this game. And it worked out because he was bailed out with a foul. But like, uh, I think it was under two minutes to go. Uh, I think Gordon Hayward or Kemba was trapped in the backcourt. They pass to him, and he drives in with 15 seconds left on the shot clock and puts up a shot, and, like, they call a blocking foul, which I thought was a little questionable. But I don't know why he's not taking more time off the clock in that type of scenario. So his, his decision-making is not great, but at the same time, you, you love what he brings to the table. And the other thing, his contract is remarkable. So, I mean, as to whether he's ever going to be traded, I highly, highly doubt it. Uh, given the level of production he's given to the Celtics. So I think that there's no chance that that happens. Uh, going back to your game one and two analysis, I think Jimmy Butler is somebody who he's a star that doesn't have to be a star every given night. And that frees him up to come out clutch in the fourth quarters. What you were talking about with the three pointers, he doesn't even shoot them outside the fourth quarter. So like, it's, it's pretty remarkable how he's able to hit them in, in those, in the most clutch of moments. Uh, the ba- that bam out of bio block is, probably the greatest block I've ever seen live ever in my life. Uh, even including, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was as impactful as the LeBron chase down block, but if you're just talking about one block, take away a guy at the end of the game for a game saving block, that was probably the, the greatest block I've ever seen in, in the playoffs. Certainly. So I think that was truly remarkable, but yeah. I think looking at the series moving forward, uh, I think Miami's really going to have to go back to the drawing board. And, you know, while I think that they're going to shoot better than they did tonight, and that would probably even out the game in a pretty significant manner, I do think they need to figure something else out on defense. Because as it stands currently, Boston really tore apart their 2-3 zone. Uh, and generally, when they were, when they were switching, it, they had some pretty ill effects as well. I also want to say shout out to Ennis Cantor, who only played a couple minutes, but in, in his couple minutes, he had this beautiful old school post hook just going through uh, one of the Boston Celtics. I think it was Kelly Olenek, who's just too small to defend him. Well, so, one of the Miami Heat players, Kelly Olenek. And it was Kelly, Kelly Olenek, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed that old, old school post hook. For, for sure, for sure. And yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And the Heat have also got to stop going down in these games, getting down in these games. I know they were able to come back in, in game two and we're almost able to pull it off in game three. But at, at a certain point, it does, it does wear on you a little bit to be coming back every one of these games. Jimmy Butler brought it up post-game in game three that they probably have to stop that, uh, getting, getting down early in games. Uh, I, I, and, 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 you know, take the momentum in the first half itself. And, and, and you know, uh, for, for in order for the Heat to do that, they have to get to the drawing board, and they have to, you, you know, they have to uh, draw first blood, right? And in, in, in during in game four, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to be able to do that. I think they're I think they're going to reevaluate their their zone defense. I think I think they know that the Celtics have figured it out, and I I, I think 
I, I think the, the thing about defense is just like making adjustments and changing it up, right? Changing it up every once in a while and, and making sure the, the offense on the other side, they're always on their toes. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what Miami Heat have in mind. I mean, they have, you know, they, they have a couple of days to prepare. Uh, the game is Wednesday. And, and you know, the game starts now, as Jalen Brown says. So um, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what, what they have in store. You still, you're sticking with Celtics, Celtics in seven? I mean, I think I've revised this to Heat in seven now. But, yeah. And that's just because odds, again, kind of kill you on this. Where, because, I mean, you look at, it's just really tough for, uh, for a team to win four out of five games. So, like, in that sense, I think I have the Heat favored in the series now because they've already won two games. So, I, I think that's how I would put it. And, and that's fair. I, th- I think I still got the Celtics in seven. I think, uh, I think it's because I, if the Celtics had won game one, we would have been talking about the series a little differently. And I think they had the ability to win game one. It's just that the, the Heat were able to uh, steal that one a little bit. But, you know... Uh, I, I still think the Celtics can win this series in, in seven, and and you know uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how they exactly they they go about that. But the Heat story in this in these playoffs has been inspiring. I want to shout out Goran Dragic because he's been drinking from some fountain of youth in these in these playoffs and in the bubble as well. And he's he's definitely looking like his Phoenix Sun self, probably better. He, and he has been carrying the Heat's offense throughout these playoffs, and the, uh, he. And it's working. It's working for them, and they're up to one. So with that, uh, I wanted to move on to the next series that we wanted to talk about, Mikram, and, uh, and not really the next series, but the next team, and that's the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, obviously we're going to start off how the Nuggets got here, right? So how did the Nuggets get here? Well, uh, they got down 3-1 to this team called the L.A. Clippers. Mikram, I don't know if you've heard of them. But uh, that team, uh, the Clippers, have not been to the, second, the, the conference finals in their team's history. Uh, that is 50 years for the L.A. Clippers. And uh, that streak continues uh, after they blew the 3-1 lead to, to the Nuggets. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, not sometimes. I, I do feel that the Clippers get more flack than the Nuggets get credit for, uh, for, for that result happening. Right. And rightfully so, you know, the Clippers came into the season with higher expectations, uh, more, more to lose uh, with the spotlight on them. And it's not surprising that the spotlight is still on them when when they do lose and they do fail. But, you, you know, credit the Nuggets. Right. And they uh, I mean, obviously, they've come back from the second three, their second three one deficit in these playoffs. The first team to ever do that. And, and you know, uh, they they are a young team and they they're not the most talented team right now but they sort of remind me of of the warriors when they got into the playoffs for uh for the first time uh back in i, I want to say 20, either 2011 or 2012 when uh, they beat the nuggets in the first round and then they went up against the spurs in the second round when you're a young team these type of playoff runs play dividends for you down down the line so that when you actually do become a better team when you actually can compete on a, at a talent level with you know the best teams in the NBA, you have the type of experience, the playoff experience, where uh, you can lean back and and sort of um, and sort of let that dictate how 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 you do in the playoffs. And the playoffs are not foreign territory to you in that way, right? So if the Nuggets have achieved anything during this playoff run, it is definitely that they are a well-seasoned playoff team. And going in the next year, you know, if if Michael Porter Jr. is is a force to reckon with. If uh, if Jokic, you know, stays Jokic and Murray uh, gets up to an all-star level, probably even all NBA levels, not out of the realm of possibility for him, you know, you could see the Nuggets competing in the in the Western Conference for you know Western Conference Finals, you know, possibly even NBA Finals, and this experience definitely helps them do that. No, no question about it. And you know, credit the Nuggets for you know sticking with it and you know putting themselves in a position where. Uh, they can be helped out by, you know, um, coming back in these series and, you know, having long playoff runs, right? And with respect to the Clippers, I mean, we brought it up in our last episode. The Clippers just keep clipping. I, I really have no explanation for how they lost, why they lost. Um, I, I keep hearing excuses from the Clippers side, quite frankly. And it, it's coming from Doc Rivers. It comes from Paul George. Um, it, it came from Lou Williams. Like, 
I, I understand the team chemistry part of it, but you just were a much better team than the Nuggets were. And uh, at some point, talent has to, has to talk, right? If that, was, if that was a reason why you lost to the Lakers, let's just say, then, then maybe we're, we're having a discussion. But you lost to the Nuggets, who were not as talented as you, as you guys were, definitely. And um, the fact that Doc Rivers came out and said that uh, it was, it was uh, a conditioning issue with, with the Clippers in the last couple of games, and especially in Game 7, they asked to come out like four minutes in. Uh, uh, into their like shift, like that's on you. That's on you to come in and be and be in shape. That's uh, that's on you to you know um, play in the biggest moments with with a playoff type of attitude. It's 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 part of playing playoff basketball. And you're not in shape. You don't deserve to be. Uh, you don't deserve to be playing for a championship. It's very that. It's really that simple. So yeah, with that, I like to hand it over. I mean, to Vikram before we talk about Nuggets and Lakers. Yeah, yeah. Talk about the Nuggets. Talk about the Clippers. Whoever the floor is yours. Sure, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, I'm going to restate a few things here, but really for the Nuggets, I would say Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic have elevated this team far beyond what I thought was possible for them uh, in terms of where they, what they've achieved this playoff series or this, this playoffs. Uh, I would say similar to what you said about the heat always coming down. I don't think you can keep going down one, three and expecting to win. So going down against the Lakers is likely not, uh, not, not smart for their progression. So I think they really need to buckle down to try and win the next game. Otherwise, uh, they could be in a world of hurt. So tomorrow, we'll definitely be watching that. And so that's the first point. The other thing I would say is, I think a lot of their support players have really played uh, better than I expected. Gary Harris coming back from injury has played fantastic. And I thought he was he was huge, absolutely huge in guarding PG in the last series and switching on to Kawhi at some point. I mean, he just did a phenomenal job there. Uh, the other thing I would say is Jeremy Grant has been fantastic for the Nuggets. Uh, his ability to, to hit some open threes in that series uh, against the Clippers and even against the Jazz as well and be a, a credible perimeter defender against Kawhi Leonard. I mean, like these things are just so valuable. Uh, I think he's a little overmatched by LeBron James because of how much bigger LeBron James is. And we'll talk about it a little bit in the Lakers section. But for the life of me, I cannot understand why the Clippers – never a ran a pick and roll at Nikola Jokic and B ever like picked on weak defenders like Jokic or Michael Porter Jr. Like for whatever reason, they, they did not have a steady offensive plan. It was a lot of like your turn, my turn kind of BS that really led them to choke, to give up the series. And I mean, uh, in that last game seven, you can't be outscored if you're Kawhi Leonard and Paul George by just Jamal Murray. Like, that's pretty humiliating. Kawhi Leonard is supposed to be the best player in the NBA. He's a guy who's won multiple titles, been finals MVP a couple times. Uh, Paul George is supposed to be a superstar. And, you know, that's definitely not true now. Uh, certainly not after this playoff performance. So, I mean, like you said, uh, a team like the Clippers, with the talent level that they had to choke this away is truly pathetic. And given the fact that the Clippers gave up the farm for Paul George, and now they only have a, another year in terms of contractually with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George before they can leave. You've got it. If you're Steve Ballmer, what are you saying right now? Like, what the heck can I do better? I paid everything for this team. I brought in Morris. I tried everything. We have Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. We have all these players. We got Reggie Jackson. And yet you lost to a team that did not nearly have your caliber of talent. Uh, so that's my Clippers rant. I think that they, uh, I'm glad they're not in the playoffs anymore given how they played with the nuggets. I think they've played inspired basketball and I appreciate, like you said, uh, they're, they remind me of the warriors in, in that they play the game with so much joy and it's just fun to watch them offensively. Uh, defensively, it's another matter, especially we'll talk about game one against the Lakers, but I think Jokic is super fun to watch. Uh, the passing from the pivot, uh, from the pivot position from the center spot is just so awesome. Uh, Jamal Murray making some crazy threes. That fadeaway three over Kawhi that, like, iced the game was just so phenomenal to watch. I just genuinely enjoy watching this team. So the Nuggets have been a ton of fun, but I do think they're going to be summarily dispatched by the Lakers without too much difficulty unless something major really changes. 
Right. And, and with that, we, we go, we go and, and talk about that series a little bit. So yeah, Nuggets and Lakers. Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember talking about the Nuggets and Clippers uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And I said, and I, I remember saying, Hey, Clippers have got this. They, they probably got this in, you know, for four or five games, give them, give them five, right. Next spot, the Nuggets, a game. Uh, and, 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 you know, like uh, different, different things happen. So I, I, I think I've picked against the Nuggets twice in the playoffs so far. I, I picked them against the Jazz. I picked against them against the Jazz, and I picked against them against the Clippers. And you know, I'm going to pick against them again against the Lakers because obviously, you know, they're they're not that caliber of a team. Because but the, the Lakers know what they're up against. Plus, just watching Game One, they they seem to have a clear game game plan as to what what they want to do, right? And uh, you know how how to go at Jokic, how to go at Jokic in the pick and roll, as you said. Uh, how to how to compete with Jokic athletically, like taking advantage of the fact that Jokic is not the best athlete, right? Put, putting in athletes on him like Dwight Howard, like like Jamal, and, and and you know Dwight Howard came in the beginning of the third quarter in Game One and really gave the Lakers good minutes. And, and the reason why is because he's just more athletically athletically gifted than Nikola Jokic at this point. And you know if if the Denver offense is predicated on keeping Nikola Jokic on the floor, you have to take, be able to take advantage of him when he's playing defense. And I think the Lakers have a clear game plan as to how they take care of him on defense. I think Contavious Caldwell-Pokes showed some really, um, um, I mean, showed, showed some really good signs by hitting his threes. That's going to be important. And, you know, the, the Lakers were able to race out to a 20-point lead and more or less maintain that 20-point lead in the first game of the series. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, with that, I, I think the only concern about the Lake for the Lakers is uh, stopping uh, Denver's offense, stop stopping the bleeding. If Jamal Murray gets hot, that's really the only way Denver can win a game is really Jamal Murray, like getting hot and staying hot uh, throughout the course of a game. And, uh, and, you know, that's why I give the Nuggets a game in this series. I got, I got Lakers in five. In, in this one, I just think even if Jamal Murray does get hot, I just think the Lakers have a good overall game plan to keep their offense going, even if they're unable to stop the Nuggets on defense and on some in some quarters or even in some games. So I don't necessarily think I mean, yes, Jamal Murray has to get hot in order for them to win any game. Uh, if he doesn't score in bunches, they're just not they don't have enough offense to make this work. Uh, Jokic also has to go crazy. I mean, like, he played okay when he was on the floor, but to be so frustrated, like, the Lakers' plan on Jokic is let's get under his skin, let's be physical with him, let's get him like that. And so what they're doing is they're deploying JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard. It's going to be a long series for Nikola Jokic. Uh, I thought that was the case where, like, the first possession of the game for Denver, he goes up for a post or he goes up for a post move and gets swatted by JaVale McGee. I mean, they end up scoring on that possession, but just the length and athleticism and just physicality that the Lakers can throw at the Nuggets is really problematic for them. Uh, the other thing is you're going to need more out of Jeremy Grant. He only shot like one for six from three in the game. Like you're going to need your support players to show up. Gary Harris only had five points despite playing 25 minutes. Like you're going to need these guys. Michael Porter Jr. only shot one for six. As a team, you know, they shot 35% from three. But that, that was because uh, Jamal Murray shot three for five. Most importantly, Nikola Jokic shot zero threes in this game. If he can't get threes up, they're in real trouble. And honestly, I don't see what, what their offense really looks like uh, if Jokic can't be as productive as you would want. And so ultimately, I just think that they don't have the horses to compete with the Lakers. And frankly, defensively, they were not – so they were not preventing the Lakers from getting to the rim at will. They gave up so many alley-oop dunks. Like Rajon Rondo and, and LeBron were just diamond dudes up. Rondo had this beautiful over-the-head bounce pass for a dunk. Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis both got tons of lob. I mean, like, if you're playing this kind of defense, there's absolutely no chance that you can win a series against the Lakers. So, I mean, all of those things kind of contribute to me saying, uh, Lakers in five. I'll give. I will give the Nuggets a game. But if you told me that the Nuggets only uh, that the Nuggets got swept, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. So that's kind of how low I am on the, on the Nuggets' chances in this series uh, overall. So what else you got, man? Right, and, and as you said, the Nuggets are stuck between a rock and a hard place because 
for Jokic, for all his offensive talents, cannot stop the lob on defense, right? He just he's just not capable of of playing that that sort of defense, and and the Lakers took do advantage of that. Now, why the Clippers did not do that is like is uh, the biggest mystery uh, of 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 them all, right? And you know, uh, I guess like I mean, we'll, we won't we will not get into that. The Clippers have gotten more than enough attention over the course of our podcast, uh, but. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just that the best person probably stopped the lob on in, on Denver is probably Mason Plumlee, uh, g- given his uh, given his athletic traits. But you know, he he's just not good enough offensively, and you know that's why you got to have Jokic in the game. So in a way, the Nuggets are stuck in between a rock and a hard place on on, on that one. They're just gonna have to gonna have to live with the defense for and you know hope that Jokic con- contributes enough on offense and does not get into foul trouble. Right, in order to in order to sorry, in order to have a chance for them to take a game and you know sort of uh, fend off the Lakers in a way, sort of outscore them. Uh, yeah, Gary Harris has got to play better. That's that's very very evident. Their role players have got to show up, just like they just like they did in the last series. You know, it's 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 no different. And you know, I, I do see a game a scenario where where the Nuggets win, but uh, I. I just think the Lakers have a very, very clear game plan going into the series on what they want to do, how they want to attack. And I don't see how the Nuggets can adjust off of that. It comes down to that. Yeah, I don't. Like I said, it would take the, uh, the Lakers going real cold. They did shoot very well from three. And if that doesn't happen and the Nuggets are hot, that's how that's kind of the recipe for the Nuggets is being hot when, when you can kind of hold down the Lakers or hope that they don't get as many shots up. But like most importantly, you have to stop the Lakers from making the game into a track meet. And they just haven't been successful at that. The Lakers just ran the ball down their throat every single, like, off, even off makes, right? Like, Denver has to do a better job of getting back in transition. Uh, there were times where I think Kuzma just leaked out after a made bucket and immediately got a, a layup on the other end. Like, if you're going to let that kind of stuff go, you've got zero chances in Nuggets. You have to prevent all easy baskets from the Lakers. And on top of that, uh, be your best version of yourself on offense. So, like... This series is going to go real quick if the if the Nuggets can't change something up in the next game, and I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be. Uh, so we'll see, but uh, I'm not super hopeful for them. I will say, Bull Bull looked awesome in his four minutes of play and garbage time. Oh my god! He was just like super. He would post it up, oh turn ugly, and went to a fadeaway, and it was just so smooth. And I was like, Why did the Warriors not draft him? Why? My uh, my profound question of life because like Alan Smiley Geach was really better. <sighs> I, I don't was, don't remind I'm, me, don't dude. Remind I'm, me so, mad. I'm and, so, and, so mad. And if if the Nuggets ever get to the position where you know they they become this like homegrown uh, uh, like a juggernaut, right? It'll be because Bull Bull was able to turn the corner and become a, a very a, not a, not a foundational piece per se, but a contributing piece for them. That would be. I mean, nice story. The the Nuggets, by, by the way, now that we're just talk, talking about them, they're one of these teams that dra- that have drafted really well and are, are are paying the dividends for that. Dra- drafting and developing for them have been really, really good. And like for a small market team like them, it, it's 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 important to to hit on those things because you're not going to be able to hit on much else. And definitely, no free agent is looking forward to to really to signing in in Denver and living in Denver, other than really like Paul Millsap. And the only reason Paul Millsap came because he's actually from Denver. It's it's very interesting. So, um, but but anyways, I think I think I just wanted to give Denver a little shout out there. Their their drafting and development has been top notch, and it 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 shows why they they were the number two seed last year and the number three seed this year. So, yeah. I, I, okay, so um, uh, Vikram. So uh, now that we have talked about both series happening. In the Orlando bubble, we wanted to talk about uh, the all NBA teams that the NBA announced. Uh, but first, uh, a message from our friends at Anchor. And welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm your co-host, Guru, along with my other co-host, Vikram. So uh, just like I said before we went to break, uh, we wanted to talk about the all NBA teams at and the MVP award, by the way, which the NBA uh, announced uh, this week. And go, go over, obviously, the first team, second team, third team, give our thoughts. Uh, who do we think got left out? Who do you think uh, deserved to be there uh, that, that is not there? Who do you, who do you think uh, got, uh, got an unlawful place in, amongst the first or second or third teams? 
So uh, without further ado, so uh, the All-NBA First Team uh, consists of uh, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, Anthony Davis, and in a, in a surprise for me, Luka Doncic. Um, so, uh, so Vikram, what, what are your thoughts on the uh, All-NBA First Team? Did some did some bubble bias get into uh, Luka Doncic getting on the first team? You think? No chance. I thought he was like they picked the five best players in the league at the moment. So yeah, no, I, I wasn't surprised at all. He was an MVP candidate for most of the year. I thought it was completely reasonable for him to uh, to be to be this to be All NBA first team. Who would you have had instead? Especially at the guard line, like uh. Like forward, I, I could maybe see an argument for Kawhi, but like I don't know, man. I thought Luca was by far well deserving of a, of an All NBA first team nod. I thought he was well. Nice. If you look at the All NBA first team, right? I mean, like if you look at the All NBA teams in general, now it's it's really positionless in a in a way, right? It's the but I don't really think position is being taken into account with these teams, quite frankly. Well, I I'll tell you this much. What and we'll get into this with the third team in particular, but like, it should just be the best fifteen players in the league. We should not have this two guards, two forwards, and a center kind of crap. I agree. Because like Chris Middleton got more points than both Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook, but because he was classified as a forward, didn't make the team uh, All NBA third team, which is total BS. So, uh, and we could talk about other omissions or people who didn't make the team, but like as far as just rank injustices, in my opinion. Somebody actually gets more points than people that are on the team. You should put them on the team, regardless of how many, what position that they play. Especially in a situation like Chris Middleton, where he played the two and the three. He's classified as a guard forward or a forward guard. He's kind of both. It's on the wing anyway, right. so he's not a point guard. He's not a center. He's a wing. I mean, it's not that hard. So, yeah, that that really did. Irritate. So, so, so uh, is it two guards as, and three forwards? Is that how it works? No, it's uh, it's two, two guards, and a, and two and forwards, a and a so center. In this case, Anthony Davis was the center, which is also BS yeah. because he played most of his time at power forward. But they still they still screwed over Chris Middleton like that. Like that's what irritates mm-hmm. me is like this inconsistency where you're gonna allow Anthony Davis to be a center even though he like actively tells you that he's not a center. He doesn't want to play center. <laughs> uh, in the exactly. regular season, and this is still a regular season award. So on my rant here, like. The idea that you you make exceptions for some players other than others, because like Ben Simmons is a guard forward, right? He plays point guard, he plays power forward. So I mean, you're telling me that you just kind of list him wherever, and it makes sense. And that's the same thing with the all defensive teams, as he was listed as a guard as well. So I mean, it just feels kind of dumb. We should go to positionless yeah. things. Pick the ten best defenders. Pick the fifteen best players. Same thing with the all star teams. Just pick the best players. I, I'm kind of done with locking people into boxes with position. We want our players to be versatile. Why do we lock them into these arbitrary descriptions based on, you know, perceived height and gameplay? And, 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 we, so and that we've really sort of, just we've sort of already, already done it for the All-Star game, right? Now we have two guards and three forwards. I, 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 don't, I don't see why we can't do that for, for all NBA. Cause, okay, so, okay, Luka Doncic, now, okay, now that I look at it, it, it it definitely it, it makes it, I'm I'm not arguing against it per se. I just I just thought that maybe Kawhi could have been there if it's positionless. Nah, he, dude, you can't you you can't take that many games off. That's true. Man. And that's one thing we didn't talk about with the Clippers, but like that team catered to Kawhi like no other. Like maybe to how Houston caters to James Harden, like personnel decisions, the whole co- like culture of. Uh, of taking days off, of load management, and for what? A second round exit against a far inferior team? I mean, not to go not to go too much back to the Clippers, but like I don't think Kawhi Leonard deserved an all NBA first team nod over either of the forwards or any of the guards. I mean, James Harden played a phenomenal season. Uh, Luka Doncic played a phenomenal season. He was like in top five MVP voting MVP voting most of the year. Uh, Anthony Davis deserves to be on the first team All NBA ballot. I mean, uh, like all these things, just to me, the All NBA first team is is unassailable, with the exception of Anthony Davis should be a forward, and if he was a forward, he would be on the second team, and Jokic would then be now, in place. But other than that, I thought they picked the five best players. 
Yeah. Now that now that you bring bring that up, I think I I think it does make sense. The, the whole load management thing sort of slipped my mind, uh, given that you know the NBA I took like a couple of months off before. But yeah, it, it totally it totally does make sense now now that now that you mention it. Uh, I will I, I will say this though. Uh, a, a couple of media people have not been taking their all NBA votes serious voting seriously, and as a result, have put players like Zach Levine in, in, in getting all, all NBA votes. And um, Trey Young getting all NBA votes when they clearly don't don't deserve it. What should happen to I, those I don't know. voters? Because so I would disagree with Trey Young. Why don't you think he deserved a, an All NBA nod? I think he's. I, I, I don't think he's one of the fifteen. I don't think he's one of the fifteen best players in the NBA. Yeah, but I think he might have had a better season than Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. <laughs> you know, and that's the current rules at this time. Is like if given these guards, right? Like Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. But, but if you, I think if you compared, if you compared Bradley Beal and Trey Young, would you, wouldn't you take wouldn't you take Bradley Beal? Yeah, yes, so I would. He didn't make but it. But I, I think Bradley Beal is also a serious omission. Okay. I think Bradley Beal and Trey Young are two of the most serious omissions, given that Russell Westbrook and like did we just forget how bad Russell Westbrook's like beginning of the season was? Like where he was probably Russell, the most, Russell one Westbrook of the most is something I say someone I do definitely disagree with, and we'll get the when we talk about the third team, obviously. But 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 but, but yeah, so but but. Yeah, what about like guys like Zach Levine, right? Definitely, definitely not all NBA caliber, right? So what, what did he did he, he get a he vote? He did get year? a vote. Yes, yes, he did. Huh, I didn't see that, but yeah, I think that's ridiculous. And frankly, I don't. I mean, pick better voters is all I can say. Like, if you clearly see somebody who doesn't take it seriously, pick another person. There's a plethora of NBA related media and writers that could do a better job if somebody's really, really bad at it. So, uh, you know, kind of ticks me off that people don't take this responsibility seriously. I mean, and there's, there's some things where I'm like, I understand why, like, I don't think it's outrageous to say Brandon Ingram deserved an all NBA nod. Like, would I actually put him there? No. But would the fact that somebody voted for him, like really rankle me? No. I mean, it's just when you have these completely unrealistic people that, that really irritates me. So like, uh, for example, an Andre Drummond for second team vote. What? Like, what? Exactly. Where did he that was come an from? untradable asset? That should give you, I'll tell you all you need to know. He got traded for second round picks, man. Yep. Like, how good can you really be if uh, you're getting traded for second round picks? So, I mean, uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I do get irked when, when people do shirk their responsibilities like that. So, that's where I've kind of come up. Uh, what I've come to with this, uh, like moving on to the second team, I thought the second team was, uh, I would say the biggest thing that happened here that really kind of jacked up the all NBA teams for me uh, was Anthony Davis getting called the center because that changed the entire character of how, uh, how this, how the, the rosters and lineups went here. If, 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 so uh, if Anthony Davis was a power forward, Jokic would have been first team, right? Yeah. Center. Yes, yeah. that's okay. true. Completely true. I think Pascal Siakam gets bumped down. Yeah, I think Bob Pascal, 13, Dude. which is about right for him, quite frankly. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think he would deserve a 13 birth this year. But, I mean, he did really have a remarkable regular season. I know it's hard for us to see that or talk about it, given the fact that it's so far away from us. And, in fact, I think they did a disservice by having the voting and announcing the results so much, so much further after the end of the regular season. And I think that that's really – it's made people forget how remarkable some of these players' seasons actually were. Uh, so, I mean, I have no problem with the, the – I have no problem with anybody on the, on the second team, at least. I thought Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siaka made sense at uh, forward. Chris Paul had a remarkable, remarkable year and was well-deserved dragging that Thunder team to the playoffs. Uh, Damian Lillard, obviously the same thing. And then Jokic, you know, who I think is, is the best offensive center in the NBA – uh, definitely deserved that berth as well. So I had no problem with the second team. Any anything else to add on that one? Uh, no, not 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 really. Uh, so, so some egregious things that happened in all NBA voting. Just like to to highlight. Uh, so Ingram, Brandon Ingram, Andre Drummond, and Trey Young all got second team all NBA votes by this guy named Greg Logan. Uh, he also called. Uh, Andre Drummond, the defensive player of the year. Um, and he put uh, uh, Hassan Whiteside second in that. 
And he also voted. Who is this? He guy? also voted Zach Levine, third team All NBA. Uh, he he also voted Fred Van Vliet as most improved. Which I mean, no. I guess that's not the most ridiculous thing in the world, but like, no, no. definitely not, because there were a lot of like Bam and uh, and Brandon Ingram clearly improved more, and like Luka Doncic and, and went from you know. <laughs> Just made a first team All NBA in his second year, so I mean, I don't, I don't, I just don't see how that's right. Happened. And this guy clearly loves Andre Drummond because he he also voted uh, Luka Don- Luka Doncic and Andre Drummond first team All Defense. Um, Wait, what yeah. the hell? This seems like a joke. It, 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 it looks like a joke, which is why, uh, man, I don't want to take powers away from the media, you know, but. From this specific person, I, I I don't know what to say. And he also voted Russell Westbrook and Hassan Whiteside second team all defense. Okay, all all garbage. But here's my bigger problem: How the hell do we allow the media to make decisions on people's contracts? Because like there are real contract implications to all NBA first. And, and that's a, that's the discussion the, I wanted to bring to the all NBA team. Because like I think this is ridiculous, right? Like. To tie things to media-based awards seems arbitrary and, and frankly, just pernicious, actually, okay, in so nature. Given the fact that, like, just think about how the fact that, like, Bradley Beal doesn't make an All-NBA team could be pretty impactful. I mean, like, it's this type of thing that really, really irritates the average, me. He's the first 30-point has- per game score to not make any All-NBA team, right? And, th- and that, yes, uh, and that has, yeah. definitely has, like, salary implications, right? And if you are the media and you're and you're voting for something, technically it is a popularity contest, right? The media will never say it is, but it it sort of is, right? So, but uh, but the other side of the argument is if the media is not voting, then who is, right? Uh, some people have brought up like a select committee committee that the NBA brings brings in that includes for you know former players, um, maybe a couple of media members, not not that many. Uh, for, former, like, you know, uh, people in the Hall of Fame basketball community, I guess. But do do they really know the NBA, right? That that's... Uh, Better than this guy who said Russell Westbrook's an all-NBA second-team defender. You could make, but um, another thing is... I mean, I think on average that might be better. Like, that's the thing, right, is... There are a great number of people in the media who really know what they're talking about with regards to basketball and do their best and work their butt off to cover the sport that they love. And they do a really, really phenomenal job at it. Uh, and so I think that the it's not a problem with all media. It's just, I think, a systemic problem with having somebody who's disconnected from the actual play of basketball deciding real-world consequences for these players. And so I, I think that's kind of where uh, my complaint lies with it, is that these you know, the media have an outsized impact on some of these people's future earning potential. And, you know, that's a really serious, it's a serious thing. And I think that if you're a member of the media, you have to take this job as seriously and with the due diligence as possible, given the fact that it has such a tremendous impact on, on potential impact on these players' lives. And you're talking about the margins of several million dollars for these players, right? Uh, difference between maxes and super maxes and designated player, like you're, you're really talking about a lot of money. And so uh, people, the members of the media have to take that responsibility with the requisite level of seriousness. So I agree with you on, on your comments overall. But uh, should we move to the third team after we've been yes. our semi-media yes, rant yes, here? Yes, yes, you should. We definitely should. So the All-NBA third team was uh, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. Now, we, I mean, uh, we may we maybe have have an issue with those last two names there, right? N- namely, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Well, let me let me start with the ones that I think we should we should clear up a little bit. Uh, I did think Joel Embiid was more deserving than Rudy Gobert, and that's just my personal opinion because I think once you get to All NBA, uh, you need to be effective on both sides of the ball, not just one. And so I think Joel Embiid should have been All NBA third team center over Rudy Gobert. That's my personal opinion, but I'm not also not mad that uh, that Rudy Gobert got it because I think that he he also had a, a strong season, although not as strong as uh, other seasons that he's had. So uh, I did not think he should have gotten it over Joel Embiid. 
Okay. And uh, I think both forwards were fine. My only frustration is I really did believe Chris Middleton should have gotten it, and that that irks me greatly. He should have gotten over Ben Simmons, right? Uh, and Russell, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook. Or, or Russell Westbrook, but, or, or yeah, or possibly they are. I mean, the, the fact that Chris Middleton is not on one of these teams irks me as well, quite frankly. Yeah, it's I mean, it's ridiculous. He played for the best team in the NBA, another historic team. Uh, in the Bucks' regular season success, he had a phenomenal year. I mean, the the fact that he was not voted, and the thing that irritates me the most is he to not to not put too fine of a point on it is he got more points than either Ben Simmons or Russell Westbrook. Okay. But because of the way we assign players to All NBA teams, he did not make it, and I think that's just a trap. Okay, so uh, so I'm and I'm looking so at I'm looking at the sheet where other players receiving votes for Ford. So they des- they designated Chris Middleton as a forward. And as a forward, he got 82 points, uh, which was uh, which is the most amongst player players who were not voted uh, into the All NBA team. So he got 10 second place, second team votes, and 52 third team votes. But that uh, that was not enough to to make the team where you needed to have at least 147 points to make it. And that that was Jimmy Butler's number. But but then again. If he was designated sort of a guard, if he was designated a guard, he would have easily made it because Ben Simmons only had 61 total points and Russell Westbrook had only 56. So that goes back to your, exactly. goes back to your original point. We should probably just have the, the top 15 players on this list and call it a day. Exactly. So just get this. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, this just made me so mad but you know i'm sure i'm not sure he may he may never get another opportunity again like this given the fact that we expect steph curry clay thompson kevin durant kyrie irving you know mainstays on these all nba teams to be back next year and if they're anything like their normal standard of performance they'll make it even more competitive for these slots so we had a lot of new blood because of that uh, so you know this is you may have taken away uh you may have taken away Chris Middleton's best opportunity to be on an All-NBA team. So, yep. Or at least for this year. And that's, that that yeah, hurts that's him. That, that, I mean, that, that hurts a guy like Chris Middleton, just like his, his stature in the overall NBA, uh, his, his place in league history. And his legacy. Yeah, his place in league history, exactly. So just giving a shout-out to the other players who received votes. Okay, so Chris Middleton obviously had 82 points. Paul George received two second-team votes and one third-team vote. He got seven points. Uh, Brandon Ingram, one second-team vote, which makes no sense. And two thirteen votes, five five points. Joel Embiid had four had three first team votes. Wow, second fourteen second team votes and twenty two thirteen votes for a total of seventy nine. Uh, and just like this, how many did uh, Rudy Gobert? He had on Rudy Gobert had one hundred and ten points. So he beat out Joel Embiid by a, by a wider margin than you would expect. So um, that, so 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 that's that. And um, and yeah, those are those are all the shoutouts that are really deserving deserving uh, some some mention here. Andre Drummond inexplicably got three three points. Ugh. Disgusting. Anyways, um, we digress. So yeah, so so with that, um, so with that, we we move on to uh, the the MVP and the MVP. Uh, I mean, uh, unsurprisingly, this year was Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, I know uh, we have a lot of recency bias when talking about these awards and. A lot of people on social media also have recency bias, and some people don't seem to realize that this is a regular season award. And uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo had the greatest player efficiency rating ever, uh, and uh, and for that and that itself, he deserves the MVP award. Now, did LeBron James deserve some votes for the award? Sure. And did he was he a clear second in this? Yes. But uh, I think I think Giannis Antetokounmpo was the MVP and. I, I, I quite, quite frankly, I think there are years where it, it is a di- dispute, and this year was not one of those years. Um, Vikram? Yeah, no, you have no uh, complaints for me on this. I thought Giannis was uh, far and away the MVP. I thought that he deserved it, and frankly, I don't think that LeBron really has much of a case that he should have received more votes because uh, what Giannis did was historic in the regular season. And I don't think LeBron is actually all that upset, even, despite his 
remarks to the contrary, I think he'll be quite happy if he wins a ring uh, and wins another finals MVP with a third team this year. So uh, I don't think that he's he's doing he's going to be too upset. I do think, though, and I was reading an article about this, that this is laying the groundwork for him to potentially win an MVP next year uh, and really boosting the narrative, even though he claims that the narrative is what uh, what prevented him from winning MVP. Although I think he actually benefited from the narrative being uh, in his 17th season at 35, leading the league in assists, which has never happened before. So, you know, it, it's like uh, what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander kind of thing. So uh, I just overall, I think that he doesn't necessarily have a case here. I think that the right person won the award. And, you know, what I, I guess my question is like, what would have been the uh, what would have been the best number of votes that he expected in, in first place, like 40 to 60? Like, I'm just kind of curious what his opinion would have been on that particular element of it. I don't really know, to be frank. And and, uh, and this and this brings up like the dichotomy, right? What the the MVP bringing a regular season award has, you know, irked a lot of people in, in previous years. Right. We. We, we've seen Russell Westbrook win M- the MVP award and, you know, getting knocked out of the first round and then getting the award after getting knocked out of the first round and people saying, oh, he doesn't deserve it. Should there be a- another award after the playoffs, like sort of a most outstanding player uh, award just to, uh, just like to uh, like uh, a combined award for both regular season and playoff achievement? Or is that way too much? And are we just overblowing this? I mean, I would like to see like an all playoff type of thing because we talk so much about 16 game players. Mm -hmm. So let's recognize those 16 game players because like at the end of the day, the goal of the goal of the NBA is to win the title and the playoffs are the mechanism by which that occurs. So I actually think that having some sort of playoff team is not the worst idea in the world. So I would be somewhat in favor of doing that. And I think it's always more fun and gives us more more things to talk about when we we do have. And it would so, provide a dichotomy uh, between MVP and this. I, I think the fact that the MVP being is being a regular season award and then it being announced this year. I mean, in the middle, in the middle of the playoffs, quite frankly, I, I like the format where it gets announced in the middle of the playoffs more than having the NBA award show. I always thought that was a little overblown, quite frankly. What, what did you think of the NBA award show? I never really watched it, so I didn't care. Yeah. It was... That tells you how much I. I, I mean, I, I just, it was, it was way too late in the season. At that point, we had already forgotten about the season. What happened? We, I mean, only, only really the NBA Finals and the and the draft and free agency are clear in our minds at that point. Uh, the the award show is really, uh, is re- is really go- going back on history that we don't quite remember. So it's 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 hard it's hard for me to appreciate those things. I liked it when. Uh, it was announced in the middle of the playoffs and uh, the players would come out and have these press conferences and, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, you're the real MVP and, you know, Steph Curry winning back-to-back MVPs. That was the, I mean, there's a good press conference moment. So, I mean, it's it's good. I I, I like that format better than the award show, quite frankly, that's my opinion. But, but yeah, um, another, another uh, piece of news. Uh, I believe the NBA is very, very close to finalizing a date for the NBA draft. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact date. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up. Uh, I'm looking it up right now, and it's November 18th. So that's a long ways away, um, November 18th. So yeah. and, and this is also a tentative date, right? Like, it may have to move based on COVID conditions and screening and the rest. Sure. So uh, all those things are, are important to, to recognize that this may not result in the outcome that people expect as far as the date, the exact date at least. So my hope is that it actually does take place on the 18th, but I suspect it'll be moved uh, for other reasons as well with COVID. And uh, though I hope this doesn't affect it, there is a, an election a couple of days before that. I don't know if that would could potentially have an impact. So there's a lot of things around that time that that would uh, potentially move the draft backwards. Uh, yeah, and you know, and you know, if you yeah, the thing is that if you move the draft backwards, then you have to move free agency backwards. If you move free agency backwards, then you have to move the regular season, yeah, backwards. Right? That that Christmas Day, uh, op- uh, opening night for the NBA for next year is starting to look more and more questionable. Do you think, Vikram? I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna happen until the beginning of next year. Yeah. And 
and I think they just started with 2021 and then call it a day. And do they do they play the full 82 game season or not? No, 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 no. There's no chance. It's got to be short. Do they experiment with some things? Do they do they try to play? I hope. Do they so. try to play basketball in July? I hope so. I hope they try different things. I mean, like this is your this is a good opportunity to do so. So I mean, why not, right? All right. So, and uh, and with that, uh, we we would like to cl- close this podcast. Uh, Vikram, you have anything to add? No, I think everybody keep staying safe out there. Uh, stay home, socially distance, wear a mask, and, and take care of yourself and your family. And and that's all we can say is we hope that these times, uh, as difficult as they are, are somewhat good on you, and that all of you make it through these times, these difficult times, without too much trouble. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, just a quick announcement on the on the, for the Policy Podcast: we are now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify courtesy of anchor thanks for getting us on spotify we really really appreciate it and uh and yeah please listen to us on all the platforms uh and uh i i did put it on automatic distribution so we should be uh offering our uh, offering up ourselves on more platforms in the future and uh, with the ballistic podcast we encourage conversation amongst basketball fans just like us and so please do uh don't be afraid to send in questions uh, send in comments. We we definitely do uh, look at those, and we'll definitely take those into consideration. Uh, and and yeah, we we would love to hear your input, and we would love to answer your questions on this podcast, right, Vikram? Absolutely, we love to hear your comments and questions, and we will do our best to answer them. Awesome. So, with that, I'd like to cl- close out this podcast for Vikram. I'm Guru. We'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>